Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. It's already done. It's the Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast with host Tyra Little. We're live Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. This show deals with personal and community issues by getting to the root cause and causes on an open and raw level. We're unpacking emotional, spiritual, mental, and physical topics that influence and often control us. Get ready to unload, examine, and process. Let's get unpacked on Never Handed So Good Sports Media Network. Tuesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Hello, and welcome to Pressure Points Unpacked Podcast, where I'm your host, Tyra Little, and we're transforming Tuesdays physically, mentally, spiritually, and emotionally. Today we have with us Councilwoman Tamika Isaac Devine. So, Tamika, I want to thank you for taking the time out to come on the show today. Um, I know you're very busy with this election coming up, and I know you have a lot of things that you could be doing and a lot of other places that you could be right now, but I thank you again for taking time out just to have a candid conversation with me. So welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're we're 21 days away from Election Day, three weeks from today, but um, I certainly am honored uh, to be able to to, sh- to share the mic with you and just have a really honest conversation because that's what that's what my run and that's what my service has always been about is about the community and so shows like you to be able to discuss community uh, issues on a real level is very needed and I'm glad to be here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So speaking to that, Tamika, how long have you been with City Council? Um, yeah, I was elected in 2002, so I have been serving for 19 years as an at-large member of city council. And at-large means I represent the entire city just like the mayor. Wow. Wow. That's a long time. That's a <laughs> 19 years is a a very long time, and it comes with a, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. So, I, <laughs> thank you for your service. Definitely. Well, thank Definitely. you. I, I, I've, I've just, I've been honored to represent this city. I mean, the city that I love. Um, you know, Columbia's home for me. This is the city, you know, that I was raised in, and it's the city where I have, my husband and I have intentionally decided to raise our children. And so, you know, I've always been raised as a person very community oriented. I come from a very community driven family, and so I was always taught that. Uh, you know, you have to get involved to 
to make the changes that you want to see. And so I didn't expect to really serve for 19 years, but when I first ran for office, I was really running to, you know, be a voice for the entire city and, and certainly bring a different perspective. I, I'm the first African-American female to be elected to city council. And at the time, you know, especially especially us as black women, you know, we, mm-hmm. you know, we run our communities. I mean, we, you know, we run our churches, we work in the community, you know, we're moms and we're sisters and and so that perspective was missing from city council. And so when I ran, that's what I ran is to, to be a voice for everybody but bring that lens. Uh, and, you know, 19 years later, I, I feel like I've still been very effective. But um, now the opportunity has given arisen to run for mayor. So I'm now running for mayor to really just elevate the service I've given to this community and help build a vision, a collective vision to move this city forward. That's good stuff, man. Wow. And the first African American woman um, for city council—that's that's that's really huge too. I mean, um, definitely you have a lot of experience here. Um, <laughs> so I want to say congratulations to you again, and then also um, wanted to say congratulations to you for the endorsement of um, Mr. Clavin. That's that's huge. That's that's a really big endorsement. Yeah. I- Thank you. I am so humbled to have Congressman Clyburn uh, endorse me. You know, he doesn't necess- he doesn't usually get involved in local races, uh, and especially for someone like him who knows all the candidates, you know, for him to weigh in and the way he did um, means a whole lot. Uh, but I think that also speaks to my experience and you know my you know my candidacy and being the right person to move this city forward. Um, but particularly. When he endorsed also Senator Kay Patterson, uh, Representative Campbell Garvin, uh, and Lonnie Randolph, um, Dr. Lonnie Randolph, who headed the NAACP for many years, Uncle James, James Sanders, who is a community activist. And so, you know, although I, I love having Congressman Clyburn, and that was huge. Uh, for me, the bigger part was all of those men standing with me to right. say, hey, we support her. Because I think a lot of people have made a lot about my candidacy, about me being a woman. And mm-hmm. although I, I do think that women bring a different leadership uh, to the table, and I'm excited and happy and proud that I'm a woman. Right. But me, it's not about being a woman. It's about being the best candidate and to have all of these men with so much experience in serving this community in different capacities to stand with me and say we support her was was really right. huge. Yes, yes, yes. I, I saw some pictures from that. Um, and even when I got a chance to stop by um, the Greenview community, um, you know, just to see them out there with you also, it said a lot. Um, and it definitely, you know, speaks to the fact that they believe in you. Um, you know, that's that's really huge. So, you know, a lot of times, Tamika, people really don't get an opportunity to know the individual candidate. And even though you've been in office, you've been in service for 19 years, um, a lot of times people only see the one side, you know. Um, well, you know, this, you know, she's a councilwoman, you know, but they don't get a chance to really know the heart of, who Tamika Isaac Devine is, the things that, you know, we hear that you're passionate about the community, and I believe that, I mean, because you've been in service for 19 years. But um, I know you and I had a conversation with dealing with mental health um, and just some of the things that we're seeing 
um, and just around around the world with dealing with mental mental illness. And so I just wanted you to get an opportunity to kind of share your thoughts about because we have a lot of homelessness here. Um, but just give your input and your take on how can you know we better serve that area because as we discussed before, you know, a lot of times you see a lot of homeless people. Um, there are some mental issues that's there, and they're not really being addressed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, yeah, so, um, you know, city council is a part-time job. Um, you know, certainly I hope that I am elected the next mayor, and so my commitment is that I will be a full-time mayor because that that allows me, uh, having that position allows me to not have my legal practice, but City council is a part-time position, so in my in my professional uh, job, my, nine, my regular nine-to-five, I guess you would say, is I am an attorney, mm-hmm. uh, I, but I don't work for a major firm or anything. I have my own law firm. I've been in business, which makes me a small business owner here in the city. I've been in business for actually 20 years, so I, I stepped out on faith when I was running for office the first time. And I really wanted the autonomy to be able to work for myself so that nobody could say, well, you can't do city council stuff on my time. So I decided to open my own business and, and partner with a, a friend from uh, from law school. And so I've been in business, a law firm, for 20 years now. And primarily my business is uh, real estate, so I help, like, first-time home buyers when they're buying their houses. And But I, the primary part of my practice is mental health. And so, you know, most people are like, well, what does an attorney do with mental health? And what I do is I get a court appointed uh, by the probate court to represent people who are experiencing mental health challenges, uh, whether it be thoughts of suicide or uh, bipolar, schizophrenia, or, you know, some kind of MS um, for diagnosis of of some kind of mental health uh, um, issue. And so what I do is I represent them just to make sure, number one, that the court system uh, takes care of all their rights, but also that they are cared for if they are not in, if they lack the capacity to make decisions on their own. And so, you know, this is where my professional life and my my uh, my public service life inter, interact a lot, intersect a lot, because a lot of the clients that I represent are, are unhoused citizens who are living on the streets. They're dealing with uh, mental health um, issues. They're dealing with substance abuse issues. And so they are homeless uh, due to a lot of those things. And so, um, you know, I know you and I had a conversation about <clears throat> the fact that there's so much stigma uh, on mental health, especially in the African-American community. And so mm-hmm. when I deal with a lot of my clients, I see that, some of it is they don't take meds because they do feel like there's a stigma to having a mental health diagnosis, and so they don't want to take medication because they don't want people to say they're, quote, crazy. Uh, and so that that, exa- that issue gets exacerbated because they don't take the meds that can keep them stable. Uh, or I see people who are, you know, they're really lacking the capacity and they have family members who just can't care for them, don't know how to care for them, and so the family members, you know, sometimes meaning knowing what they're doing, sometimes not knowing what they're doing, push them out. And so it it, it really is an issue that I feel like as a community we have to recognize that our our government has underfunded mental health services for years. And now mm-hmm. we are seeing the results of that because we are seeing lack of mental health beds, we're seeing lack of health, mental health providers, uh, and we're seeing a lot of people with mental health issues living on our streets. 
Right. Right, right. And and the unfortunate thing that happens with that also is when you have so many of them on the street, um, you have different issues and people are calling the police for it, and it turns into just one huge problem that really the police department, they're not really equipped to deal with that. So if I'm not mistaken, I think that there was something that you did with city with city council to kind of address those issues whenever there is a call and the police go out? Yes, yes, definitely. So one of the things that I know, our officers, they they do, you know, the best they can, but they are called out to situations where they are not equipped to deal with it. And when someone is Mm -hmm. having a mental health crisis, uh, law enforcement should not be the first line of defense. But a lot of people, you know, family members included, don't know who else to call. So they call 911 and law enforcement gets dispatched. And so uh, the best practices that are happening throughout this country, and I'm really lucky because I serve on the board of the National League of Cities, and so I get to talk to my colleagues across the country all the time about what they're doing and what's working in their communities. But what the model is is that you have – you have social workers and you have mental health professionals that are embedded in the police department so that when there is that 911 call or there's a you know unhoused citizen that um you know that someone calls and they and and they say they're acting out on the street and law enforcement is called to respond law enforcement is responding but they have a mental health professional who is responding with them so that's the person who can handle the crisis situation and we have been lucky we've got a great uh, social worker Angela who works for Columbia Police Department and it's my goal you know if elected as mayor to expand that and have more Angelas within the Columbia Police Department but Angela has done an amazing job i mean just a few months ago a few weeks ago actually she and i spent almost all day down in five points uh trying to help uh, a man who has a mental health issue. I mean, he has uh, he has a diagnosis going back 40, 50 years, uh, but he's not been, been cared for, and he was, you know, needing some assistance. And, and she was with me all day and with the police department trying to make sure. And so instead of arresting him and taking him to jail um, where he does not belong, we were able to get mm-hmm. him to the hospital, get him evaluated, and, and now get him into some kind of um, mental health bed that will help him get stabilized. And so that's the kind of thing that we need to have. We need to have innovative treatment so that law enforcement is not called to do things that they're just not, they're not professionally trained to do. Right. Right. So then currently, so she's the only social worker that is on, that's on staff for this. Yes, she is. Um, she is now. So we have a two-person unit. It is her, okay. and she is um, an employee for the Department of Mental Health, but she's embedded in the police department. And then we have an officer who has had additional tra- uh, training and crisis intervention training. We have several mm-hmm. of our officers, probably about 60 70% of our officers, hopefully going to get to 100% soon, that have had training and crisis intervention training, but he's had even mm-hmm. more hours. And so although he is a trained police officer, he is he's an expert in crisis intervention. So if a call comes in, just imagine this, Tyra, if, if someone calls in 
and they they have a you know a loved one or they see somebody who's having a mental health crisis, they will call, but they'll you know nine one one will ask the right questions. They'll say, okay, this person's having a mental health crisis. This two person team will be the persons people that respond, and then they are trained in de escalation, you know, assessing the problem, making sure that they're getting uh, that person. Uh, calm down to the point where hopefully we can get them into, you know, some kind of mental health facility to deal with the um, emergent issue. And so that's it's only a two-person team right now. That's better than we mm-hmm. had six months ago. But like I said, as right. mayor, I really want to expand that team uh, because the best uh, best departments across this country have a team that's, you know, seven or eight people uh, that can go out. Because just imagine if there's more than one call at a time, if Angela right. and the officer are one call, then that other call has to wait. So we do need to expand that team. Oh, yeah, definitely it needs to happen. Um, but I do applaud the fact that there is now something into in place um, and that it's, you know, it, it, it's working right now. And, um, you know, I just pray that that's a, a division that can actually grow. Um, to where you're able to have more licensed professional counselors on that can actually um, assist in that. So um, I'm I'm really happy to to hear that. That's for sure. Um, now I know we're in the month of October, um, and I know this month there's a lot of things that <laughs> that's represented in the month of October. I mean, we have the domestic violence. Um, and I know I don't know all of them, so I'm not even going to try to begin to name and leave something out. Um, but I know one that's very dear and near to you um, is with pregnancy and infant loss. Is, did I? Yes. You, yes, you got that exactly right. Yeah, October, and I actually I've been so busy with this campaign, I haven't posted it, but I usually post on my social media. Uh, three ribbons, a pink one for Breast Cancer Awareness Month, a purple one for Domestic Violence Awareness Month, and then a blue and pink one that represents Pregnancy and Infant Loss Awareness Month because most people know the first two. They don't know the third one unless you've been personally affected. I had never heard of this month um, before I lost a child. Um, my husband and I, we um, we have a son, I, I say, who was born into heaven. Uh, he was still born at my 37th and a half a week of pregnancy and went in for a, a routine uh well actually it was the last appointment I was having before his scheduled deliver before his due date and the uh doctors could not find a heartbeat and uh mm-hmm. they went in and found that his umbilical cord had uh, wrapped around his neck and suffocated him mm-hmm. and so um when you know we had that loss, I learned of pregnancy and infant loss awareness month, and just like a lot of things that people deal with, um, you need that support team, and and so you know I you know joined a support group and and learned that there is this month that is is dedicated to talk about you know or to support parents who have lost a child in pregnancy, and um, and one in four women actually experience a pregnancy loss. Uh, whether it is a miscarriage or a stillbirth. And so I, I say now I'm a mom of an angel, uh, but what I will say is that, you know, this experience not only um, 
you know, taught me a lot about, you know, me and my husband, a lot about us and our, our marriage, uh, but it really strengthened my faith. Um, most people say, gosh, Tamika, you just seem, you know, just so at peace with lots of things. And it's just because, you know, with what, you know, God doesn't give us more than we can handle. And even when we're going through it, it seems like the end of the world. But, you know, through this, I learned so much about, you know, my faith and, and, and the strength that God has given us. And so I, I in my bio, I say that I have four children three here on earth and one in heaven. And because I don't want anybody to forget that I had this baby because I do. Uh, but I think the other thing that I want people to recognize is that we have we never know people's story. And mm-hmm. uh, there are so many parents out there that have lost children. And so I, I, I learned at the end you know that people real uh, people will say things not even meaning it. Like if you see a couple that ha- don't have children, you're like, oh, when are you going to have kids? And you don't realize that you don't know. They may have been pregnant and lost a child. They may can't have children. Uh, and so I, I think it's important, especially this month, for us to recognize that there are so many parents um, that have don't have children here on this side. Uh, but it doesn't make them not a parent. It just means their parent, their child, is not here with them on earth. Right. I mean, one thing that you said, I mean, and I always say it myself, as you know, you know, my son was murdered. Um, but you, you're you always going to be, you know, a mother of four, you know, um, always. So I definitely understand that statement um, of being a mother of four and three here and one in heaven. So, but the one thing about it is, as you say, God doesn't, Give us more than we can bear, but the one thing about it that I love is that he will give you the peace that surpasses all your understanding, mm-hmm. you know. You don't know sometimes how, you know, you, you're making it through. Well, you do know. You know it's God, but it's, to others sometimes it just looks like, my gosh, you know, you've dealt with all of this right here. But, yeah, God will keep you. He will definitely keep you. So, Tamika, where did – um and this is something that, you know, some people, a lot of people may actually, you know, know a little more about you here. But um, what, what high school did you go to? Because I know you said you were actually um, born and raised from, from Columbia. Mm-hmm. So I went to Spring Valley High School, class of 1990. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I won't fault you for going to Spring Valley because, you know, I went to the world's greatest high school, and I'm a Raider, W.J. Keenan, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny when I think about it. Like honestly, and and I see it now. But um, so my my dad was a Hornet. He you know went to see a Johnson, and so you know I spent the weekends with my grandparents. My cousin actually went to Keenan, and um and I I laugh because I think about like how things were when I was younger. I mean it's like you had the high schools, but it it was still so many people. I mean across Columbia, you knew different people from different schools and. I'm yeah. not to say it's, it's it's just nostalgic when you think about the way high schools were now. And I, I think now people are are more divided and and um, you don't interact like you used to. But yeah, I, I remember football games and being able to, when I went to Spring Valley it was actually predominantly white and I played on the band. And it was like our band band played like like really boring stuff. And so we loved to right. come and we play Eau Claire and, and uh, <laughs> Keenan and Johnson and I would just be in awe of the band. I'm like, oh man, look. That. <laughs> right. That's funny because it reminded me of um, my youngest son when he went to um, he went to Blythewood, and so he was on the band, and you know it was just um, it was you know the music was 
was different in the things that they did, but the competition, but I will say this, um, band competition, that's just something that's that's really different, unique. I mean, I look at the band situation now, and it's like a whole production. I mean, they have, I don't know if they had them then with you, but they had track the trailers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that hauled yeah. all of their stuff yeah, all around. Stuff. And I'm yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. I mean, with the the name of the school all on the side of it and everything. So I'm just like, whoa, this is this is really a big deal now, you know. So, um, Tamika, I want to ask you if there's what what is it that you would want um, the listeners and the constituents of the city of Columbia um, just a, a takeaway about you? What what is it that you want to share with the listeners about you? I- well, great question. Um, I guess what I would share with the listeners is that, you know, I um, I have been honored and humbled to serve the city for the last 19 years. And I think what that gives me is it gives me uh, a great perspective on our city. It gives me great experience about the needs of the city and how the city works uh, and the ability to really be ready on day one to get things done. Uh, but what I will also say is that as an at-large council person, your role is is so much different than the mayor. The mayor is the person who uh, is is helps create the vision and then uh, encourages and works with people to actually bring action to that vision. And so, as at large council person, I've been doing the work. I've been you know working in the community, uh, building programs and designing things that help uplift all of our community. But as mayor, I'll have the ability to really uh, promote inclusive and equitable growth within our city and use the the mayor's office and the ability with the mayor's office to actually get things done. You know, as a city council person, I mentioned we're, we're part-time and we don't get staff assigned to us. So everything that I've done, whether it be the mayor's walk against domestic violence or the health uh, initiatives that we've done through Let's Move or the initiatives we've done with the young people like financial literacy or Together We Can Read, all of that I've done by myself without the support of having a staff uh, while I'm still raising my own family and uh, working a full-time job as a small business owner. Uh, But as mayor, I will be there full-time. I'll have a staff in the mayor's office that can help us implement. And so I really feel like we're at a crossroads within our city. We're going to have at least three new members of council, and we're at that point where we have lots of federal dollars that will be coming into our city. And so when I talk Mm -hmm. about building a, a police department that really is about investing resources in the community and not looking at just the the criminal aspects of things, but really building our community. When I talk about uh, addressing affordable housing or the uh, racial wealth gap, all of those things, you know, I have the desire and knowledge to get it done with the resources from the federal government and the experience I have as a leader of this city for 19 years, I'll be able to do it. So I'm excited, and I just hope that I can earn everybody's vote in three weeks from today, uh, November 2nd, to get out and vote for uh, Tamika Isaac Devine. And you can learn more about me at divineformayor.com. That's good stuff. Tamika, I definitely wish you the best. Um, We definitely have to get out here and vote. Um, And one of the things that I normally I do talk about on this show is how once we get you all into office, um, as your constituents, it doesn't – our duties don't just stop there when now you're voted Mm -hmm. in. You know, um, 
there's different things that if we have different points of views or we see things, you know, we need to bring it to you guys. I mean, I'm sure that you can get some very good ideas, and I'm sure you have in the past from constituents, but we just we just don't get you in and just drop you. We have to help you guys when you're in these positions. And so, um, you know, as you're saying, hey, we need to get out here and vote November 2nd, and, um, you know, I wish you the best. And once again, I thank you for taking time out to come on the show. And you guys, let's get out here and vote. We got, this is a, this is a, a big election. I mean, and when you look, we have a lot of people, um, you know, we're here talking with Tamika about the mayor election, but when you look at the fact of how many people we have running for this at-large seat, we really have to do our homework and hone in and make the best decision possible for all of the seats, but we've really got to get out here and vote, you guys. So this is Pressure Point Sunpack, and I'm your host, Tyra Little, with Tamika Isaac-Devine. And November 2nd, you guys, we want you to get out here and vote and just know, hey, early voting has already started, so you're welcome to go down. It's 2020 Harden Street. That is, I did give the right address, didn't I, Tamika? Nope, 2020 Hampton Street. 2020 Hampton, yeah. Yep. Just the but it's right on the corner of Hampton and Harden. yep. <laughs> oh, about to, about to see you to the wrong place, but, hey, you get down there, you know where it's at. <laughs> All righty, well, thank you so much, Tamika. Thank you, um, and thank you so much for this amazing platform. All righty, and, hey, we'll look forward to hearing what happens on November 2nd. Thank you. Thank you. It's already done. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.